Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinny Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be our debt of love. Let's begin in Romans chapter 13. In Romans chapter 13, beginning in the third verse, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 8 is very important. It said, O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. When it comes to our fellow men on this earth, we don't owe and shouldn't owe them anything at all except for one solitary thing, which is our love. We owe love. Love is a term that is used far too loosely today to the point where it becomes watered down and it loses its real meaning. So we need to take a closer look at this verse to see what exactly Paul is saying here. The word in Greek for love, both times in this verse, is agape, used as a verb. Agape is the highest form of love. It's self-sacrificial, unconditional love, the same love that God loves us with. It's defined as to love, wish well to, take pleasure in, long for. The concordance goes on to say it means to prefer to love. For the believer, it's preferring to live through Christ, embracing God's will, choosing his choices, and obeying them through his power. It preeminently refers to what God prefers as he is love. The concordance also says, with the believer, agape means actively doing what the Lord prefers with him by his power and direction. True loving is always defined by God, a discriminatory affection, which involves choice and selection. 
Agape is Christ living his life through the believer. What we gather from these definitions is that agape doesn't have to do with feelings of love or thoughts of love. It has to do with actions of love. It has to do with the inward preferences manifesting in outward actions. This means that we don't owe our fellow men feelings and thoughts. We owe them actions of love. No one would mind this debt if it only had to do with feelings and thoughts. But it's the fact that it has to do with actions that makes it that much more difficult to follow day to day in a real practical way. There may be people who, in the natural, we don't find lovable. We may dislike them or even hate them. But this doesn't change the command that we're given. Romans 2 and 11 says, For there is no respect of persons with God. God didn't give any special criteria or qualifications for people to whom we owe love. This is because we owe agape love to anyone who is made in the image of God, which is everyone that he's made. This is especially important because this includes our fellow believers. We owe the people of God our love. Being able to do this requires us to sometimes look beyond what we see in the natural. We may not find any lovable quality or attribute in a person, but we need to be able to look past what we see outwardly. We need to see them as God sees them, because if we don't, our love ceases to be agape, because it ceases to be unconditional. Looking for certain qualities to be present in a person's life before loving them prevents our actions of love from being agape love, from being genuine. This is especially a problem when it comes to the church. Many times the church slides down this slippery slope until they do what the world does, making their love conditional instead of unconditional. One of the main reasons why Christians become susceptible to this is because when people go to church together for many years, they start to get to know each other better. When they're at the point that they know each other well, they know reasons why another person shouldn't receive agape love. They know their faults and their shortcomings, and many allow themselves to get caught up on all these things, combing through a person's past mistakes and errors, looking for any reason to justify not showing them the actions of love that God says that they're owed. The same way that God loved us with agape love, acting on it by sending his son to die on our behalf, despite all the wrong that we've done to him in the past, we need to agape love our neighbor, despite whatever took place in their past. Agape is unconditional, which means that it's blind to the conditions that would have otherwise hindered love from manifesting. And it's sacrificial, which means that it costs us something. When we get caught up on a person's past, what we're really doing is looking for an excuse not to love them. We're looking for an excuse to not sacrifice, to not go out of our way, and to not go the extra mile. An excuse is a lie. It's a lie because the excuse is just an attempt to justify and to mask the interior motive that lies behind it. Any action or lack of action is traceable to a motive. When it comes to this, the motive is the opposite of what the excuse would have you to think, which makes it disingenuous, and it's this that makes it the lie that it is. The excuse would have you to think that they're still outwardly focused, focused on others. It would also have you to think that they want to love the person, but they just can't justify it as long as the person is in that condition. But this isn't really the case at all. 
In reality, they're only focused on themselves. They're inward focus. The real motive is that they don't want to have to show them love because they don't want to expend the effort and the energy necessary to do so. Anytime sacrifice is present, excuses will also be present because our fallen sinful human nature is contrary to sacrifice. This is where the real problem lies. They want to receive agape, but they don't want to give the love that's owed. This is the greatest hindrance to fulfilling the Lord's command. Verse 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. We now need to ask ourselves, what exactly does it mean to owe love? The word owe in Greek, according to the concordance, means to owe, to be indebted, obliged to rectify a debt. It refers to being morally obligated or legally required to meet an obligation, to pay off a legitimate debt. It originally belonged to the legal sphere. It expressed initially one's legal and economic, and then later one's moral duties and responsibilities to God and to men. It expresses human and ethical responsibility in the New Testament. This is an important definition because it shows the seriousness of what we're talking about today. Under God's law, we are legally required and obligated to act in love towards our neighbor. It's a debt that we owe to others. We are indebted to them. And it's our responsibility to pay that debt in full. Many don't like this. Many don't want to hear this. Many don't think it should be this way. But it doesn't change the fact that this is how God has established it. There's no way around it. As his people, it's our responsibility to follow the law that he has prescribed in his word. This means that we need to know and to understand that we are indebted and then actively take steps to rectify our debt. In the natural, people hate being in debt and they do everything they can to avoid it. We should treat it the same way in the spiritual. We should seek to avoid the debt with agape love. When we agape love our neighbor in every circumstance, we fulfill our obligation to the best of our ability. We will never be able to perfectly rectify the debt because of the fallen world that we live in. But when we put forth our best effort, because we have Christ living within us, and because he has given us his righteousness, he transforms what we put forth into what he requires, so that only through him and by his power can we fulfill the debt. Verse 8 told us that we should only owe agape love to our neighbor. At first glance, this might seem to contradict verse 7, which says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. How are we only meant to owe love when we're also told to render these other things? The difference is in the wording. The word render is the key word. In the Greek, it means to give up, give back, return, restore, sell. This reveals that this is different because this is dealing with something that is transactional in nature. It's not rendering freely. It's giving in order to get something else, or it's giving up something and payment for something received. Either way, it's transactional and utilitarian. It just serves that one momentary purpose, and it ends in itself. Our debt of love is different because we are commanded to give it, even if it's not returned. It's not transactional. It's sacrificial and unconditional. Transactions are, by nature, built on conditions. They're always conditional. It's not simply giving. It's giving back. It's giving in place of. 
Art debt of love is not something that we render. It's something that we give, no matter what conditions in the natural are met or not met. We owe a debt to our fellow men, no matter who they are, and we need to do our part and act in love. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in the ninth verse, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. The words for debt and debtors are derived from the same word that we saw earlier for the word O in Romans 13 and 8. The word for debts in Greek means that which is owed, a debt, offense, sin. The concordance goes on to say that it means the result of having a debt, focusing on the after effect of the obligation. The only debt we are commanded to owe is agape love. And this verse is speaking to what happens when the debt isn't paid or when no attempt is made to do so. The first part of the verse says, and forgive us our debts. This has to do with the debts that we owe. When we don't do our part, we need forgiveness. But the same also goes the other way. The same way we owe a debt of love to our neighbor, they also owe a debt of love in action to us. When they don't pay their debt to us or fail to make any attempt to do so, they likewise need forgiveness. Forgiveness is a central part of love. It's part of agape because it's an action of love. It's not ignoring a past wrong. It's a total forgetting of a past wrong, treating it like it never occurred and moving on. This is the same way it works when the Lord forgives us. He doesn't remember it anymore. Hebrews 10 and 17 says, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. We need to do the same. When the time arises for us to forgive our neighbor for not paying their debt of love to us, we need to be able to overlook our neighbor's failure to fulfill their debt to us. When we do, we are going beyond in our debt to them because the act of forgiving them is another act of agape love, forever fulfilling our debt to them. It's in our best interest to forgive them. Jesus promised us in verses 14 to 15, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When we forget the debts others owe to us, the Lord will forget the debts that we owe to Him. Because Christ perfectly forever paid our debt to God in full on Calvary. He paid the price that we couldn't pay. The second half of the verse said, As we forgive our debtors, the word for debtors originates from the word that we saw earlier for to owe. For this word, the concordance says, For the believer, being a debtor ends at Calvary, where Christ paid all our debt in his blood. He extends total release to us, forgiving the penalty for each time we spent his gift of life instead of investing it. 
Indeed, the blood of Jesus removes all the penalty and condemnation of sin. It was the Lord's agape action in sending His Son that saved our lives. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whomsoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was this act of agape that prepares us and paved the way for us to follow His command to agape love our neighbor. For this last one solitary debt that God has left for us to pay forward to our neighbor, we need to ask ourselves, how exactly do we act in agape love? The first important thing to understand is that in order for us to know how to do something, we first need to be shown it, and it's no different when it comes to spiritual things. God knows that this is how we learn, and He hasn't left us to fend for ourselves. Through His death and resurrection on our behalf, He gave us an example. 1 John 4.19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. He showed us the greatest example of agape possible. He taught us by demonstrating it for us. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9-11 to tell us, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Since the Lord demonstrated agape for us in each of our lives firsthand, we need to translate what we've been taught into our actions. It starts with understanding who our God is and what defines His character. Verse 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Verse 16 tells us, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. God is love, and since he is dwelling within us right now, it means that love is also dwelling within us. The way we translate this knowledge to action is by letting the love that is within us manifest outwardly. When we began today, we looked at the definition for agape, which said agape is Christ living his life through the believer. This is how the actions of love manifest. He uses us as the conduit so that the agape that is in him passes through us to the others around us. And in doing so, he perfectly fulfills our debt to that person on our behalf, something we wouldn't be able to fully do all on our own. His mindset becomes our mindset and his actions become our actions. And it's only when this happens that we see a real change and real love being shown. The second half of Romans 13 and 8 said, For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Verse 10 also says, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Love fulfills the law because God is love. Since he is perfect and we're not, he is the only one capable of fulfilling the perfect law that he designed. Our loving of our neighbor fulfills the law because it's not us alone doing the actions of love. It's Christ within us, who is love himself, loving others through us. It is he who fulfills the law. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Galatians 5 and 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, 
even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. James chapter 2, verses 8 to 9 say, If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Today we need to make the choice to follow God's command, to love our neighbor through our actions. We need to make the decision to love with agape, to be self-sacrificial, and to love unconditionally. We need to be willing to put forth the time, the energy, and the effort that love requires. We owe a debt to our fellow men, and especially our fellow believers, and through Christ, we can perfectly rectify it. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your agape love. We thank you that you have self-sacrificially and unconditionally loved us, that you look past all the wrong that we've done to you throughout our lives, and that you give us a new chance, a new start. And Lord, we thank you that you paid our debt in full on Calvary, that you paid the price that we couldn't pay, and that you lived the life that we couldn't live. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done for your people. And Lord, we ask that you give us the wisdom and the strength to be able to fulfill this debt that you have left for us to pay to our neighbor in our actions of agape love. We thank you that you have put your mindset within us, and we ask that you continue to transform our minds. And Lord, we thank you that your actions will become our actions as we let the agape love that is in you manifest outwardly through our life. We thank you that you have chosen us to be vessels, and that as we let our light shine, that you will be glorified through our love. And Lord, we ask that the agape love that we show forth will open up other people's hearts so that they'll be led to you through us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are using us in such a powerful and important way in your kingdom. And we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want the Lord to fulfill all your debts and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. If you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.